Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy dropped Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. Welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. And game one of the Daryl Bevel era, just as exciting as the most exciting games that you saw in the Jim Caldwell era, in the Matt Patricia era. The Detroit Lions do not lack for excitement and drama when they are trying to win games. That much is absolutely, positively, 130% clear. The Detroit Lions beat the Chicago Bears 34-30, and frankly, I would not blame you if you did not know that. I would not blame you if you turned off the television. I would not blame you if you just didn't see it. Because the Detroit Lions were down 10 points with three minutes left to go in the game. Sure, Matthew Stafford was driving. And sure, Matthew Stafford has led comebacks before. But this one seemed so unlikely, so improbable, so unbelievable with a head coach in his first ever game as a head coach in Darrell Bevel with... A quarterback who earlier in the game made a critical error on a horrible interception with a wide receiver core and a running back core depleted minus Kenny Galladay and minus DeAndre Swift with a defense that hadn't stopped the Bears all day, that hadn't stopped Mitchell Trubisky in years, years. So, no, I would not have blamed you, not for a second, had you turned this game off. Had you thought the Lions were going to lose. After all, that's pretty much what the Lions have done in their history. In their time under Matt Patricia. Now, sure, different coach in Daryl Bevel. There is no doubt about that. We know that. But, listen... Here's where it stood, right? Here's what you need to know is this. When Detroit got the ball with 433 left, down 10 points, Chicago's win probability was 99.1%. Even after the Lions scored a touchdown to cut the Bears' lead to three, Chicago's win probability was still 80.9% with 218 left 
in the game. The Bears, by all statistics, by all metrics, should have won. Except they didn't. Except Romeo Aquara continued having his breakout standout, I'm going to get paid so much money season. Instead, Matthew Stafford showed up, continued to play well. Instead, Daryl Bevel, who looked like he couldn't handle anything on the defense, and that's not his fault because this defense is largely bad, was going to lose because of the same thing that so often kept the Lions out of games and kept the Lions from holding on in the Matt Patricia era, their defense. And yet, it was the defense that came up with two huge plays. Romeo Aquara's strip sack of Mr. Trubisky, and then a fourth and one stop on Chicago's final drive by Reggie Ragland. Like, that's how they won this game. All over the place. Offense, defense, special teams, everywhere. And it's mind-boggling. It's shocking. It's Daryl Bevel explained it after that he was still 20 minutes after the game trying to figure it out. He seemed stunned. He seemed shocked. He was ecstatic. He kept saying the word amazing. That was a key word for him. Said it over and over and over again. And you could tell that happiness was infectious. You could tell that that was permeating throughout the entire team the entire day because there has been a change in message in Detroit. And it doesn't mean they're going to win out, which Daryl Bevel may get a flat top if they do. It doesn't mean they're going to go 4-1. It doesn't mean that they're really in this playoff hunt, even though they're actually only one game back. But for one day, the Detroit Lions could feel good about themselves because it looked like they started anew. They looked like a completely different team from an energy perspective. Their holes are still there. The big concerns are still there, particularly on defense, particularly in the front seven. They still can't stop the run at all. They still struggled with Mitchell Trubisky passing the ball as he threw for 267 yards and a touchdown and was 26 of 34. But the energy was different. I believe without a doubt that if Matt Patricia was coaching this team still, they would have lost this game. And frankly, it might not have even been close. But they would have definitely lost this game. They would have not come back from 10 down. Because one thing that was obvious, one thing that was clear, was that Daryl Bevel let Matthew Stafford take shots. He let him take chances. He looked like the Matthew Stafford that you saw under Scott Linehan. The Matthew Stafford that you saw last year. The guy who was willing to throw the ball downfield and take chances. And that is the better version of Matthew Stafford. That is arguably the best version of Matthew Stafford because it's how he plays and how he is comfortable. And there's no doubt about that after watching him so much of his 12 seasons. I still don't necessarily believe the Detroit Lions are a good team. I don't believe that they are maybe even an average team. Although at five and seven, they're creeping toward it. But the one thing that they clearly are when they're playing like this, is they're an entertaining team. And that, more than anything else, is what they lost under Matt Patricia toward the end. Was they weren't entertaining anymore. They weren't interesting anymore. They would just blow leads instead of coming back. They would get blown out of games instead of hanging around. 
that was what they were doing under Matt Patricia. That's why the change needed to be made when it did. And you could see the difference. You could see the change in energy level. It was just apparent. You could see it when Adrian Peterson crosses the goal line for a second touchdown of the day to give the Lions that 34-30 lead. And the offensive line just sprinted towards Peterson, and they looked like they were giddy. They were dancing around, and sure, they had just pulled off an improbable comeback. And, of course, the defense needed to hold on, but they had just pulled this off, something that was very, very unlikely. So that was part of the excitement, but it was evident throughout the day. It was evident in how Matthew Stafford was playing. I know I've said that a couple of times, and... That's the thing with Stafford, right? Like, you saw him out there, and he just took shot after shot after shot after shot, and he wasn't afraid to do so, and Daryl Bevel wasn't afraid to call it. Like, whether it was Sequintes Cephas, who had his first ever touchdown on a bomb from Matthew Stafford, that Stafford, if you saw, he was pushing him. He was telling him before he threw it, keep going downfield, keep going downfield. And Stafford got it there and almost perfectly plays the ball. This is from ESPN Stats Information. Stafford completed 10 of 16 passes, thrown 15 or more yards downfield for 234 of his 402 yards and two of his three touchdowns. The 10 completions on 15-plus yard throws. Second, only Josh Allen this year in a game this season. He had 11 against Miami. It's the second most he had in a his career in a game, and that was 11 in 2012 against Green Bay. Like, that's impressive. That is taking chances. Darrell Bevel even said it after the game that he basically was going to let Matthew Stafford kind of be himself and, you know, just kind of go out there and play. And you saw that. You saw a confident Matthew Stafford. You saw a comfortable Matthew Stafford. Yes, that interception was really bad, but as he put it, To expect a 313-pound defensive lineman to be able to break on the ball and pick it off is just a heck of a play by Bilal Nichols. And it just really was. It was a heck of an athletic play. Was it still a bad pass? Yeah, it was. Stafford even said as such that he figured the worst case would be you bat it down. So clearly, Stafford didn't have a ton of confidence in that throw. And you don't necessarily throw that at that point. And I think in that moment, it felt like the Lions were being a little bit more conservative, kind of going with shorter passes and screen passes. However, when you watch what they did, more often than not, they were aggressive throughout the game on offense. And we'll get into the defense a little bit after the break, and we'll get into some of the problems they still have after the break. But that was an exciting game, and you saw – even without Kenny Galladay, even without DeAndre Swift, and even without right tackle Tyrell Crosby for most of the game, what you saw was the offense that I think a lot of people thought the Lions would be. And it makes you wonder for what they will be if and when Galladay and Swift are able to get back this season, provided they are in the last four games. Because the potential is there. It's just obvious. It's the 10th time Stafford's thrown for 400 or more yards in his career. It's the first time he's done it since Oakland last year, the game where he hurt his back. So it's been over a year. But that looked like typical Matthew Stafford. Like Daryl Bevel said, vintage Matthew Stafford. And that was really, really impressive. 
We'll be back right after this with more from the Lions' improbable 34-30 win over Chicago right here on the Michael Rossi. Two thousand twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Much to the happiness of probably everybody, businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast, faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us as we continue to go through the Lions' 34-30 win over Chicago. And sure, at the top, we talked about a lot of positive, a lot of positive, especially in the offense. We'll get into some individual performance positive from the offense before. But let's get into the defense a little bit, because the defense still wasn't good. You still have the same problems, the same issues, the same everything that you had. And Corey Undlin, the defensive coordinator, even hinted at this, that they only had a few days of practice. It's not like they were going to be able to change a ton of what they did. Like that much was clear. And for a, for most of it, they really couldn't change much of what they did. Their 
personnel is still their personnel, even though they brought up and played Kevin Strong a lot more. And he came up with a couple of big plays. And they definitely st- – I'll be curious to look at the, the snap counts when they come out on Monday morning to kind of get a feel for maybe how often certain guys played because it felt like they were maybe using a little bit of different personnel, although with the camera angles Fox had, it was tough to get a true grasp on who was on the field when at all times. I felt like they were using Romeo Aquara and Everson Griffin together a lot on early downs, which was helpful. But I look at all that, and I still see a team that allowed four and a half yards a carry to the Bears and 140 yards rushing. They still allowed Mitchell Trubisky to complete 76.5% of his passes and throw for 267 yards, and that's not great. And here's the other thing with that, too, is that it's really interesting because in the man zone breakdown from ESPN Stats and Info, just to compare, and this is where there's maybe that difference in what Unlin did, that first game in week one against the Bears, the Lions played 82.1% man. And Trubisky completed 55.2% of his passes against man. But he threw for all three of his touchdowns. And this week against the Bears, the Lions played only, drumroll, 43.2% man against the Bears. So they learned something. Now, who knows if Matt Patricia was still the head coach, if the Lions would have done that. But consider this, that only one game this season have the Lions played under 50% man, and that was against the Jaguars when they only played 39.1%. And a large part of that was because they were up so much in the fourth quarter. The Lions were not that here. So they basically did what, if you listen to what J.J. Stankovic said in the podcast that we did on Friday, make Mitchell Trubisky beat you when he's playing zone. And, and to his credit, Mitchell Trubisky almost did beat the Lions and their zone which they played 56.8% of the time. Trubisky completed 75% of his passes against the zone, but he also completed 78.6% of his passes against Detroit's man defense. So they've got some big problems there, but that's nothing we didn't know already, especially because they were so beat up at corner. Daryl Roberts just getting back from injury. Desmond Trufant on injured reserve. Jeff Okuda out. So you're running with Roberts and Mike Ford along with Justin Coleman and Amani Awarie. And Awarie, I did not think had a great day. It felt like he missed a lot of tackles. It felt like he was just kind of off for most of the day. And that's a problem when he's doing that. He had five tackles, but it, it really seemed like he missed a few that could have really helped Detroit as they were going a little bit. And the front seven still really, really struggling against the run. It's just not going particularly well. It hasn't all season. Again, this is somewhat due to injury. Missing Trey Flowers and Danny Shelton certainly hurts. But again, this isn't like this was a new problem because the two of them were gone. Like, Nick Williams, John Penasini, or Nick Williams not giving them a lot. John Penasini does here or there. Romeo Aquara and Everson Griffin, much more pass rushers than they are run stoppers at this point. But I thought actually 
you got a decent amount from Romeo Aquara and from Everson Griffin. They had the only two quarterback hits of the day. They both had tackles for loss. But one positive thing I want to hit on with the Lions is Romeo Aquara. I hit on it in the first part of the show, but I want to go in a little bit deeper on it because this was Romeo Aquara's day. Four tackles, a sack, a quarterback hit, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble, and oh yeah, if you remember, he blocked Cairo Santos's extra point. Like, Romeo Aquara, week in, week out, has been the most consistent defensive player Detroit has. Like, it might not even be close. Maybe Jerron Harmon? Can't say Jamie Collins because it's kind of good Jamie Collins and bad Jamie Collins. Can't say Reggie Ragland because good Reggie Ragland, bad Reggie Ragland. Can't say Amani Awarie because it just hasn't gone well some weeks, in my opinion, including this week where he missed a ton of tackles. So, Everson Griffin hasn't been around long enough, although when he's been here, he's played largely pretty well. Trey Flowers is hurt. So, Romeo Aquara is maybe this defense's most consistent player at this point. And we're going to actually probably get into this a little bit later in the week, but each week that Romeo Aquara does this, it becomes less and less likely that he's going to be on the Lions in 2021 because of how much money he's likely going to command because he's a really good pass rusher. He's really blossomed this year. He's been fantastic. And that's great for the Lions. And that's pretty huge on Romeo Aquara, who did a lot of the work himself in the offseason. I've talked to him. I've talked to a few other people around him about it. That's also a credit to Bo Davis. And truthfully, it is a credit to Corey Undlin for putting him in Good positions. This was one of the better pickups the Lions made in the Matt Patricia Bob Quinn era together. It just is. Remember, the Giants cut him and the Lions picked him up. And I remember at the time, and I was so, so, so wrong being critical because they cut Anthony Zettel to get Romeo Aquara. That was a really good move. And I criticized it. I'm like, Romeo Aquara, really? And I admit that now, like that was a mistake because Romeo Aquara in two of his three seasons in Detroit has been a very good pass rusher. And this year he's getting even better. So Romeo Aquara is playing so well. Everson Griffin was a good trade for Detroit. He's been active. He's helping Romeo Aquara play the way he is in part because Teams can't focus solely on Okwara because if they do have Griffin on the other side, Everson Griffin can still wreck games. And we've seen that even in losses when you have five quarterback hits. Like, there are times that he does things really, really well. And that, if you are the Lions, you have to feel good about that. You're finally slowly starting to get some sort of pass rush. It's not a great pass rush. You still probably need more from your linebackers. You probably need more from the middle. But at least from the ends, you're starting to get something if you're the Lions. And that's something you've been hoping on for a while. So that, to me, is a positive. But the rest of the defense, Jamie Collins, I thought, played pretty darn well. Ten tackles, a tackle for loss. Read things really well in the run game whenever the Lions were able to stop the run. Reggie Ragland obviously came up with a big play, I thought. You know, John Penasini and uh, Kevin Strong both had a couple of decent plays here or there, but it was really rough on Detroit, man. Like, defensively, they still 
their front four and their linebackers aren't taking the right it, they aren't either covering up the right holes that they know we're going to open or I, I still can't even figure out what it is because it's just just I mean they're slicing them every week doesn't matter the running back now Corderell Patterson's a fast guy and he's difficult to deal with there's no doubt about that from a speed perspective but you got, you should be able to have a decent contained plan on him because you know the Bears want to run because they don't necessarily completely trust Milstrom Trubisky to to throw the ball and throw it with consistency even if he's done so well against the Lions in the past like that's part of it right you need you need to know that they're going to run the ball and the Lions knew that and it still did not matter now credit to them for making some adjustments in the second half and and coming up with some plays and, and kind of quieting it in the second half. But the first half was just an absolute nightmare for the Lions on defense in every which way. And that's a big problem going forward because the opponents are only going to get more difficult from here. They play Green Bay on Sunday. Then they play Tennessee. Then they play Tampa Bay. And then they play Minnesota. And all those teams are in the playoff hunt if not in the playoffs, more than likely. So that's going to be difficult every week from here on out. This was a game that if you wanted to have any confidence, you had to win. And guess what? The Lions did it. They did it in incredibly improbable and dramatic fashion, but they did it. And they should be credited for that. So credit to you. So I want to talk about a couple of more individual performances here that I thought were quite good. I thought Adrian Peterson ran the ball pretty darn well. 16 carries, 57 yards, 3.6 yards per carry, did have two touchdowns. Now, granted, the 3.6 yard per carry is not awesome by any stretch of the imagination. It's below that kind of four yards per carry threshold, but it looked like he ran strongly. And with the way the Lions have been running the ball and what they've been trying to do, and especially since they lost their right tackle, I thought it was an admirable effort from Detroit running the ball, even though the numbers wouldn't suggest that. thought Matt Nelson very much low-key did a really good job on Sunday because he was matched up against Khalil Mack for most of the day after Tyrell Crosby went out, and Khalil Mack's stat line was basically non-existent. He did have one sack, but that was wiped out by a buster screen penalty, and that's it. Like, that was it. That was Khalil Mack's day. He just wasn't really involved. And that's a major credit to Daryl Bevel's scheme. That's a major credit to Hank Fraley. That's a major credit to Tyrell Crosby and mostly Matt Nelson. That well done, Detroit Lions. Because Khalil Mack is a type of guy that can destroy a game. And they kept Khalil Mack from doing that. Like, that's a big win if you were the Lions, especially because the Packers, you did struggle against them when you played them in Week 2 and their pass rush. But, again, it goes to the fact, too, that Stafford just looked like that 2019 version of himself, save for that one pass that he threw. He looked much more comfortable than I can remember him being this season. It was just super impressive from him throughout most of the day. That ball he threw to Cephas was perfect. Marvin Jones had a great day 
for the Lions. This was, I thought, the best Marvin Jones had looked all season long. Eight catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. Really strong day from him. TJ Hawkinson looked revitalized and re-energized in this offense. Seven catches for 84 yards on nine targets. Like These are all positives for the Lions that they can take from this game that they haven't necessarily had a ton of positives to take in a long, long time. You know, people wondered, myself included, if the cutting of Marvin Hall would mean more time for Cephas and more time for Agnew. But it ended up being a decent amount of time for Mohamed Sanu, the veteran, which shows you that Daryl Bevel's really trying to go after this here. He's trying to make an effort here and really show something because this is an audition for him, as he said. That was, by the way, a season high for Marvin Jones. Not in receptions. He tied a season high there when the, with the Washington game, but season high in yards for Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones, by the way, three of the last four games over 50 yards receiving now. So that's a good sign for Marvin Jones that you're maybe get, hitting another good Marvin Jones stretch. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know there's good Marvin Jones stretches and not so good Marvin Jones stretches. And it seems like the Lions are in a good Marvin Jones stretch at the moment, which is something that they should really capitalize on here as they hit towards the end of the season, especially because they're about to play a team that Marvin Jones historically has played well against when he's been with the Lions, which is the Packers. Granted, not necessarily in week two, although I think that that was more kind of just a situation of circumstance because he did start off hot and then it just kind of fell apart for him. But it'll be interesting to see, too, what Marvin Jones' role is like if and when Galladay and Swift get back. Because if Marvin Jones is still hot, they add Galladay, they add Swift, man, that you could see this offense become really explosive. Because remember, this team did put up 34 points without either one of those guys on the field. And TJ Hawkinson, again, coming into his own here a little bit more. Now, back-to-back games, over 80 yards receiving. He's had 12 catches combined in the last two games for 173 yards. No touchdowns. He hasn't scored since week nine against Minnesota. But other than that, he's been incredibly productive. And he's giving the Lions exactly what they need. Also, three straight games now for him over 60 yards receiving. So that's something you can really build on, too. If you are the Lions. So again, a lot of things that you can feel good about if you are Detroit, especially offensively. And yes, the playoffs seem like a very big long shot still. And it's probably not worth too much of time talking about them. So we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. And it becomes more interesting because obviously with wins, it hurts Detroit's potential draft position, especially if what we saw today is more of a one-game mirage and Stafford and the offense go back to what we've been seeing next week and for the rest of the season. But if that happens, realistically, they're probably not winning more than one more game this year, so therefore you're probably still going to end up picking in the top 10. And if you keep playing like you are, well, what what will happen is this. If you're the Lions, one of two things. One, either 
you feel good enough about Matthew Stafford, whoever the new head coach and new general manager is, that you decide that you want to stick with him and that you figure out that maybe Matt Patricia was kind of the issue and, and his conservative nature. Or two, Stafford plays well enough that he drives up his price and his value potentially on the trade market, and then you can maybe get more from him in a trade if that's something that you want to go and do down the road. So that is kind of the good-bad of Matthew Stafford playing as well as he played today. And if that happens and if, if the Lions continue to do this, then that, to me, is a decent sign. But let's just discuss this for a second because the Lions are also one game out of the wild card spot right now, which still I can't believe, still sounds a little bit nutty to me. But then you look at it. So Minnesota is 6-6. Six and six. They currently hold the, the number 7 seed. And the Lions play Minnesota the last week of the year. Tampa Bay holds the 6th seed at 7-5. and five. And the Lions play them the second to last week of the year. Between them, between the Lions and the Vikings at the moment, are the Cardinals, who the Lions have the tiebreaker over, the Bears, who the Lions split with. And right now, Chicago would have the tiebreaker over Detroit off of win percentage in common games. But the way the Bears are playing at the moment, it doesn't seem like they're going to end up being a factor. And for the Lions to really have any shot at this, they're going to have to beat the Vikings and the Bucks along the way and beat the Cardinals. And that's going to, I think, help matters for the Lions anyway. And then there are the Niners. And the Niners could end up being in this entire thing, if Detroit ends up being in this conversation, the biggest issue. And it's a tricky thing too, right? Because if you're a Lions person and you want to hire, say, San Francisco's defensive coordinator as your next head coach. Well, do you want um, the Niners to win or do you want the Niners to not make the playoffs? Because then that means that that could happen quicker or not. But these are all conversations for down the road. We've got a month to talk about it, but it's just, I can't believe we're bringing up the playoffs still. Like I can't, but there's a chance it's not a good chance. It's not a talk much about it chance. But there appears to at least be some chance that if the Lions do what they believe that they can do and that they keep talking about doing, that it's a conversation that could end up happening. Which, who would have thought that a week ago? Ten days ago. Thank you all for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I want to thank my sponsors, Bet Online and Indeed. Want to thank Blue Wire Podcast as always for hosting this podcast. And want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to each and every show or as many shows as you end up listening to and for downloading and for subscribing. That's very, very kind and I'm very, very appreciative of it. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. We'll be back tomorrow with an interview with somebody that I think you'll find intriguing to hear from i don't believe he's talked all that much since he left the lions i'm going to leave it at that for now and we will chat with you tomorrow